Wow, again, my thanks too for uh, being out there today, serving and all serve, amazing, 1,200 people, so thankful uh, for that, and thanks for being a part of that. It's, uh, it's one of our highlights of the year, and just appreciate you stepping forward uh, for that. So we're gonna go into our time of teaching right now. If we haven't met yet, my name's Michael, I'm one of the pastors, and looking forward to this time as we kind of jump back into uh, the Christ culture and the cross, and so uh, if your, your note sheets, you'll need that for those of you joining us online, whichever format that you're watching on, either at the top or down at the bottom, there's a, a link there. You can click on that note sheet of kind of choose whichever format you prefer. Um, but if you guys are ready to go, uh, I'm ready to go. You guys ready? Amen. Okay, let's jump in. So Father, we're just excited to be here in your house and uh, just be under your leadership. Lord, we just thank you for this church and we thank you that you called it forth and we are your body. Um, we are your hands, we are your feet as we, we, we jump into this whole new section of this series about spiritual gifts and how you've empowered each of us to make a difference and called us before time to, to uh, help unleash your movement. Uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would be all over this, uh, this service today as we come before you. And as always, we ask you to be our teacher and our leader. We come uh, looking for your spirit to blow his fresh wind through this place. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our story, uh, story today begins, uh, it's a weekday, and uh, kind of the middle of the week, and it's, it takes place in a strip mall, and uh, the, the scene is in Oceanside, California, right? So for those of you online in Arkansas, that's in Southern California. It's like Northern, uh, Northern San Diego County, and so uh, I was one of two pastors. Uh, it was a little church. Uh, we were about 200 people, and there was just two of us on staff. And, uh, and so we had our offices in this strip mall. On this particular day, uh, a man from our church came in to get some counsel. At least that's what we thought. And uh, so he, he came in, and he was meeting with this other leader, this other pastor that I served with. And you know, we're both super young. Uh, I was not even 30 at the time. And so uh, this, uh, this, uh, this man comes in, and he and his wife had been attending our church for a long time. Um, and so he came in, but he wanted to process. He wanted to some counsel. Uh, he and his wife were going through some serious marital issues, and he wanted to discuss that. And so he began to lay out uh, some of the challenges, you know, how they met, uh, how their relationship developed, uh, when they got married, uh, some of the issues, the problems that they faced, some of the solutions that they tried, how nothing had worked. And so uh, as he's unpacking this long story, um, at a certain point in his story, um, his mood begins to change. It's been very negative up to this point, but at a certain point, it's like a, uh, twinkle returns to his eyes, and uh, he begins to get a smile on his face because he wants to share with us what the Lord has shared with him. There was going to be the solution to the challenge challenges they're facing in their marriage. And it's what he shared next that we would never forget. Well, today, 
We are, uh, we're jumping back in this series that we started last May. We started series last May. Uh, for those of you who are brand new, uh, welcome. I know many of you probably weren't here last May, but uh, we started this series last May that's called Christ, Culture, and the Cross. And it's, a, it's an in-depth study of one of the most important letters in the New Testament for our time. Uh, this in this kind of cultural that we're we're facing right now, and uh, this this is a letter that's written from one of the key leaders of the early movement of Jesus. His name is Paul, or we call him the Apostle Paul. He's writing to a group of Jesus followers that he and his team actually led to Jesus three years before, uh, and they they reside in one of the most famous cities in the Roman Empire, a very strategic, important Roman city. Uh, in, the south, in the south of Greece uh, that was called Corinth. And so we call this letter 1 Corinthians. Now, uh, if you were uh, t- today, uh, if, you, if you were with us this last year, uh, we went through the first 11 chapters from May through December, and then we took a break for this Christ, uh, for this, this worldview series that we just uh, finished. But we're jumping back now into chapter 12. And there's a new topic on the table that Paul's going to be addressing the next three chapters. And the, the topic is spiritual gifts. And so if you have your Bibles, you have your apps, uh, let's go ahead and open up. And we're going to turn to uh, this section on your note sheet there. It says Christ, Culture, and the Church, Spiritual Gifts, and Intro. Um, and, uh, and then we'll turn our Bibles to chapter 12. And I don't know about you, but it feels good to have the Bible the way back in my head, right? It was an amazing series, and I love topical series. So it'd be so helpful, but nothing like just having the Word in your hand. And I uh, love it. So here we go. So uh, before we jump in, let me, let me set this up a little bit. So if you were here when we kicked off this series, what we learned is when Paul and his team came to Corinth and first began to share this countercultural message of a crucified Messiah, which was sort of an oxymoron, uh, that the Holy Spirit moved. In spite of how countercultural that message was, the Holy Spirit moved, and many people came to Jesus, and they received the gift of uh, forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, but on top of that, they received a wide array of very powerful and impressive supernatural spiritual gifts. Um, And and so, for example, in chapter one, there in your note sheet, uh, in the very intro, Paul refers to this. Uh, As he he kicks off this letter, he says, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed, for him to come back. And so what we saw is that, that after Paul and his team left, that what happened is the, this, these uh, followers of Jesus in Corinth, they began to, to listen and follow uh, more the vision, the values, the voices of their culture than Christ. And in particular, uh, they began to think that they were super wise and super mature spiritually because of these powerful spiritual gifts that they had. You know, gifts like prophecy, gifts like tongues, gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, and so on. But what we learned earlier in this series is the reality was that they were really not spiritually mature at all. They were really spiritual babies. 
in fact, in chapter three, Paul said this, brothers and sisters, I could not address uh, you as people who live by the spirit. You may remember that word, we talked about that Greek word, uh, panumatikos, the spiritual ones, that you're, you're not people, they translate here as people who live kind of listening and following the spirit, but as people who are still worldly. You're more like your culture around you, you're mere infants in Christ. So they had all these gifts, and yet Paul says the reality is they were spiritually very immature, and it was obvious because they really lacked the character of Jesus. They weren't being transformed. Their relationships were broken. Their pride and ego was running their lives, right? And so, so from the very beginning, we knew that spiritual gifts was a topic we're eventually going to get to. Uh, Paul, often in his intro, gives you a preview of coming attractions. And so from the very beginning, we know this is going to be an issue, and now we finally get to chapter 12, and, and now he's going to begin to unpack pack this issue of spiritual gifts because they become such a divisive uh, issue in their church and it's really tearing their church apart. So we're going to pick it up then uh, today at verse one. We're going to go through the first 11 verses as Paul today kind of lays out some, some basics about spiritual gifts. And so he says, now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. In other words, I, I want you to understand how spiritual gifts work. Um, why they're given, uh, how they operate, what the purpose is. He says, you know that when you were pagans, so remember that most of these Christ followers had come to Jesus at a full-on pagan background. So you may remember this, but there were 27, we know from archaeology and history, there were at least 27 temples or sacred shrines in the city of Corinth. And so these people had come out of this background, and, and of course they would often worship multiple gods, that was kind of part of, part of the way they would do it. Um, and so, so that's their background, they're pagans. So he says, so you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and you were led astray to mute idols. So of course, idolatry was a big part of pagan worship. Now here's the interesting thing, that in pagan worship in ancient times, there were often supernatural elements, right? There was uh, uh, often like oracles, like prophetic, uh, prophetic statements. So people that would make under, uh, kind of under the influence of the spirits. And um, there was ecstasies and there were uh, sometimes healing claims, uh, whole temples to gods of healing. And uh, what's interesting is back in chapter 10, if you remember this, Paul had said, hey, we know that idols are they're nothing. These, these pagan gods are nothing. He said, however, the worship of pagan gods is not nothing because that worship is inspired and empowered by demonic spirits, okay? And so, so Paul says, hey, when you were, you were pagans, you were worshiping these mute idols, but, but there were prophetic things going on. There were supernatural things going on. And he says, so that's their background. And he says, therefore, in verse three, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, you know, and mean it, except by the Holy Spirit. So right away, he's given them sort of a test when someone says they're speaking for the Lord, you can test where, what spirit is speaking. Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it their spirit? Or is it an evil spirit? And you can kind of test uh, who's speaking by the content of what is said. And so we'll come back to that later. Now, 
Now that he's kind of started there, he's gonna begin to run through some basics about supernatural spiritual gifts. So he said, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Now notice that. He will say that more than once today, that the spirit decides who gets what gifts, okay? He says, uh, now there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, speaking of the Lord Jesus. So there are different gifts and we're serving in different ways, but the service is always ultimately to the Lord Jesus. And he said there are different kinds of working. And this is an interesting word. In the Greek, it's the word energao, where we get our word energy from. So there's different kinds of energizings. But in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God. So notice how he roots these spiritual gifts in the triune God. They're gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're gifts to serve the Lord Jesus, and God, him, the Father, is working in them all. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And so he says, okay. Um, so he says, now, to each one, verse seven, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So notice two things. First of all, he says that, that every believer is given a manifestation, uh, a gift. Uh, but he says, secondly, they're for the common good. So the reason that God gives us these spiritual gifts is primarily for us to serve others better. They're, they're tools in order to kind of empower us to love one another in the community of Jesus and outside better. And he says uh, in verse, so now he's gonna give us nine examples. So remember back in chapter one, he said you're not lacking any spiritual gift. Well, here's gonna give us nine examples of spiritual gifts. And he says, uh, verse eight, so, so to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Okay, so the word for message in the Greek is the Greek word, word. <laughs> All right? so, so, so it literally says, to one is given a word, or a message, a word of wisdom. Now, here's in, interesting. I want to do a quick sidebar here. One of the things you notice when you study spiritual gifts, and there's about four passages in the New Testament, I'll point them out in a minute, they talk about spiritual gifts. They don't really define what a gift is. Like they never define it. And the reason is, is because they were all operating the gifts. They all knew what he was talking about. But this presents a challenge for us today because there's no definition that goes with most of these gifts. Now, sometimes there'll be, um, we'll get some insight into the nature of a gift by certain scriptures. For example, when we get to 1 Corinthians 14, uh, we'll learn more about the gift of prophecy because he talks about it more, how it shall operate. And he'll talk more about the gift of tongues and how it operates. So certain, time, certain times in other parts of scripture, like in the book of Acts, we'll have examples of a prophet making a prediction. We'll have an example, uh, we'll have uh, different kinds of examples of people speaking in tongues. And so for, uh, from time to time, there will be in the scriptures a use of the gift in an actual historical situation that gives you some insight into that gift. But most of the time, the gifts are not defined or explained. This is why every time you take a spiritual gift test, they define the gifts differently. Because there is no dictionary that goes with the Bible, right? That says, this is what a, this is what a word of wisdom is. And sometimes the way they're defined depends on the author's theology of what gifts even exist today. 
which we'll talk about later. So in one setting, a word of knowledge is like a supernatural message from God about some fact that you could not know another way. Another place they'll say, this is the ability to learn a lot about the Bible. You see? Are you with me? Okay, so... So we just have to do our best and say, hey, based on what the, what the gift is called, uh, based on context, based on their past, like what do we think is going on here? And so I just want to put that out there, though, because that's why it's, like, you'll see different authors, different tests will define it differently. So his first example is a word or a message of wisdom. And so this would seem to me to be uh, where the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives someone uh, an insight, an aha moment, uh, uh, kind of a message of wisdom, either for themselves or someone else, um, about a situation or about uh, maybe something to teach the body of Christ. Next, he goes on and he says, um, the second gift he mentions is to another, a message of knowledge by the same spirit. I think that we often see this this gift operating in the life of Jesus. Um, Jesus often knew what was going on, what his opponents were thinking when they hadn't said anything yet. Um, and it often, like Jesus knew what they were thinking. Um, or sometimes when he's meeting someone, he knows their life history, though he's never met them before. So for example, think of John chapter four, when he meets the woman at the well, and he says, hey, go get your husband and bring him back. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, well, technically that's true. You've actually been married five times and you're currently shacking up with a guy, right? <laughs> All right, so, uh, so you'll see this in the life of Jesus, but this would seem to be uh, somewhere God reveals something that we, couldn't, we wouldn't naturally know. He supernaturally reveals something. And the third gift he mentions is uh, verse nine, to another, um, to another faith by the same spirit. So as followers of Jesus, we all have faith in Jesus, but it would seem that there are some believers that are given an extra measure of faith. They're able to trust God for bigger things, maybe even supernatural things. It says, uh, to another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. Now, this is interesting. Notice he doesn't say the gift of healing. He says gifts of healing, which, which suggests that we see this gift in operation, like in the book of Acts, Peter and John healing people, the apostle Paul healing people. <clears throat> and so... Um, This would be the the ability to, you know, restore someone's health. But notice it says gifts, not gift. And what that suggests is that that often God will use a person. Here's a gift of healing for you to use, but they can't always heal. So, for example, I think of the, the Apostle Paul, who often was given these gifts of healing, but there were times when he didn't, he couldn't heal. So, for example, uh, we're told about one of his coworkers that he left behind on an island because he was too sick to travel. You know, one of his valued, or he tells uh, Timothy, the younger pastor, hey, take a little wine, catch us for your frequent illnesses. So he doesn't tell Timothy, hey, claim your healing. And Paul doesn't heal him. He says, take a little wine that'll help your stomach problems, right? Like, like medicine. So there's, there's uh, these gifts of healing that, uh, that sometimes we receive. Uh, to another, uh, miraculous uh, powers. So, of course, healing is miraculous, but many other things. You think of Elisha, you think of Elijah, you think of Moses, you think of Peter, you think of Jesus, you think of Paul, doing things that are miraculous, uh, walking on water, raising the dead, uh, multiplying loaves, that kind of thing, right? 
And then he says, to another prophecy. And so prophecy can be either sort of predicting the future, it's not normally that, but we see it in in the book of uh, Acts where the prophet Agabus, for example, is predicting a worldwide famine that's coming. Um, But it seems when we get to chapter 14, this is more of a fresh word of God for for someone or for a situation. And in chapter 14, Paul will talk about to strengthen or to encourage or to comfort uh, others, like a, a fresh message from God, okay? Uh, the next one is that, uh, to another, the distinguishing, the ability to distinguish spirits. So that would be like a spiritual discernment, right? When, when spirit, uh, demonic spirits are being involved. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. So whenever you hear this in the Bible, when it talks about tongues, it's the same word for language, all right? So, so we're talking about someone speaking in a language, but they've never learned that language. Now, it could be a human language, for sure. It could be perhaps a heavenly language, uh, like an angelic language. Uh, there's, some, there's some suggestion of that in certain passages. Um, but they've never learned it. And then finally, uh, to another, the interpretation of tongues. So, so to some people are given the ability to translate a message that either they have in another language they've ever learned or that someone else has. Right? So, um, so these are like the nine examples that Paul gives here. Other passages give other ones. Verse uh, 11, so catch this. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. Uh, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, all right? Now, what I wanna do today is from this passage, I wanna highlight seven very simple, key, important principles about spiritual gifts. That's why I'm calling this Spiritual Gifts 101. Like Paul's kind of laying the groundwork and then he'll build on this as we go. And so uh, let's jump in. There in your note sheet, Christ, Culture, and the Cross, Spiritual Gifts 101. Uh, We're gonna move through some of these pretty rapidly. I just wanna point them out so we don't miss them. Number one is that spiritual gifts are supernatural. When we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're not talking about natural abilities. We're not talking about um, skills you've picked up along the way. Um, Those are all important and catches. Those are an important part of God's calling on your life of how you're gonna serve the kingdom, but that's not the topic here. The topic here are spiritual gifts, gifts of the spirit. These were, when Paul's writing to the Corinthians, these were gifts that they received after they came to Jesus, right? So these are gifts of the spirit. We see that several times in the passage. One example is 1 Corinthians 12.4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. All right, number two. The second principle is that every Christ follower receives spiritual gifts, either singular or plural, but that every Christ follower receives these. So, so this is the point that Paul says, um, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, when you came to Jesus, uh, you're, you're given a, a gift or these gifts. Look there on your note sheet, verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So it's not like, yeah, sorry, you just don't get any. That it's like, no, everyone gets at least one gift. And so this may come to you when you first came to Jesus. They may be added on later on. Now, here's one thing I want you to catch is that sometimes these spiritual gifts are obviously supernatural. So like if you lay hands on someone who's crippled and they, they rise from the dead, you know, or they, they stand up, you know, 
Uh, great story that uh, a guy in my life group that's part of our church, really uh, kind of a real solid guy, but he does work in, 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 um, in India. And he was sharing uh, with us one night about a, kind of an experience he had there where he was preaching the gospel in this little India town to in order to kind of to get support for, uh, to, to invite people to come to a larger crusade they're doing, evangelistic crusade. And, and as he's leaving, as he's, as he's sharing Christ there, there's this guy on the, that's laying in the dirt on a mat that's just obviously um, like super sick. And the Lord says to this friend of mine, he says, uh, pray for his healing. And uh, my friend who's seen many healings over there my friend says, I don't want to pray for his healing. Nothing's going to happen. And the Lord tells him, no, just pray for him. And so he's wrestling with the Lord, but he finally decides, I, okay, the Lord's always going to win, right? So he finally says, okay, I'll just pray for him, and then I'll go have lunch with his pastor and get out of town, and I'll never see these people again. Nothing will happen, but that's great. You know, just, at least I'll be out of harm's way. So he prays for this man there with all these people around for his healing, goes to have lunch, he leaves. That night at the crusade, right as the crusade is getting ready to start, uh, in come all these agricultural trucks uh, from that village, packed with people. And he, he goes up and says, what's going on? He says, you know that guy that you prayed for today? That yeah, Everyone in the village you know he had stage four cancer. He was healed immediately after you left. And everyone wants to know about this Jesus that can do things like that, you know? So, so, uh, so the point is, is that, uh, that when we come to Jesus, that we're given certain gifts, right? And sometimes they come then, sometimes they can come uh, later, and sometimes they're obviously supernatural. Like when you see that happen, there's no question. That is supernatural, right? Um, but what I want you to catch is as you look at the different gift lists in the New Testament, and I put them all there under this, this reference if you want to look at them, what you'll see is that some gifts are obviously supernatural. There are other gifts that wouldn't obviously be seen as supernatural. For example, there's gifts of administration, there's gifts of leadership. There are gifts of giving. There are gifts of help. There are gifts of serving or gifts of mercy. And these are not necessarily, you know, like, whoa, that just blew me away. But as a believer, when you receive that gift, here's what happens. When you use that gift, God blesses others with it. And, and on top of it, you get blessed in the process of using it. Like, I think that one of the places we experience the presence of God most in our life is when we're operating in our area of giftedness, right? So, so uh, that's number, uh, number two. That every, uh, every Christ follower receives spiritual Gifts. Number three, spiritual gifts are tools to serve. So they're not primarily given to us as a general rule. They're, uh, they're not, I mean, for, for our good. They're not for our ego. They're not for our pride. They're given to equip us to serve and to love people more effectively. Like sometimes there's someone you just, oh, I wish I could help them. What can I do? I don't know what to do. Well, when you have a gift that matches a need, you have something to offer. Let me give you an example. You know, if you go into the armed forces, everyone goes through basic training, right? Everyone goes through basic training. Um, but, but after you go through basic training, you're gonna go to different schools. You're gonna be different, go to different assignments. And you might go to be a pilot, and you might go to be a uh, 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 corpsman, and you might go to work in communications, and you might be a heavy uh, equipment operator. And, and so the point is, is that where are you gonna make your difference felt in the military? 
you're gonna make your difference felt, your value is in that place of training, right? The place that you've been trained. Can you do anything? Sure, you can do anything that, you know, that's not too crazy. I and mean, you can do a lot of things, but you're gonna make your impact in the place of your training. And in the same way, in the body of Christ, we're gonna have our greatest impact in the area of our spiritual gift. And that's why, though we all serve in a wide variety of ways, we wanna serve most effectively. Whenever possible, we wanna serve in our area of gifting because that's where we're gonna, you're gonna see the multiplication factor where the Holy Spirit's gonna really use you in a powerful way. And so, um, so there in, in your note sheet, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, now to each one, the manifestation is given, catch us for the common good. It's not about you. Yes. It's about the community of Jesus right, in the world. Okay, number four, spiritual gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. Oh my goodness. Oh my. Can we just like write this down? Put it on your forehead. You know, it's like one of the most important principles. Can I tell you, there is no connection between spiritual gifts and spiritual maturity. And the case in point are the Corinthians. (laughs) Super blessed with gifts, super immature. And we make this mistake all the time. We see someone who's really gifted as a teacher Oh, that person must be close to God. And you find out they're running off with someone, they're doing something crazy. They were gifted, they weren't mature. Right, you see? And this could be multiplied time and time. People have these prophetic gifts or dreams and visions. Whoa, you must be close to God. There is no connection between spiritual gifting and spiritual maturity. So we've seen that very clearly in this, uh, in, this, in this book. That's why I started off with chapter one, chapter three, where Paul says, hey, you have all the gifts. Uh, you've been blessed with them. But when he gets to chapter three, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, people led by the spirit, but as spiritual babies, right? And it was evident because the, the best way to measure spiritual maturity is by our character, and by the fruit of the Spirit. Are we being transformed to be like Jesus, and most of all, by our love? And that's why when we get to chapter 13, you know, we're three chapters here, 12, 13, and 14. Between 12 and 14, you have, it's like a sandwich. You've got the meat, which is love, right? And so we'll see that when we get there. All right. Now, number five. Uh, the Spirit decides who gets which gifts, Now, we saw this more than once, but probably the clearest statement is in verse 11. It says, all these, uh, talking about all these spiritual gifts he just listed, are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And you say, why is this so important? Because sometimes you'll hear in certain circles, hey, you can have whatever gift you want. If you want the gift of prophecy, you just have to have that gift activated in you. Anyone can prophesy. You just need to have the gift activated in you. Uh, You want the gift of tongues? Anyone can have the gift of tongues. You just need to step out in faith and start opening your mouth and let the words come out and you just kind of prime the pump and then it'll happen. Yeah, she said, that's exactly what they say. That's, yeah, I'm not making that up. No. Yeah, I was a victim of that. You'll hear about that later on. 
Not today, in a few weeks. So this is important that what will, when we get to chapter 14, what Paul will say is that we, are, that we have all the permission in the world to seek the, whatever gift we want. They'll say, seek the greater gifts, seek the ones that can have the most impact in your church or whatever, right? So uh, we have the freedom to ask, but it's the spirit that decides Amen. who gets what gifts. Mm. All right. Number six, uh, this one, I'll have to explain a little bit. The content reveals the source. <clears throat> the content reveals the source. So this is very important that when we start, we start, we start uh, delving into the realm of the supernatural, spiritual gifts, Paul wants to, he starts a discussion by saying, hey, let's be really clear here. You can tell who's speaking by what is said. You follow that? You can, tell, you can tell, is it the Holy Spirit speaking? Is it the person speaking? Is it a demonic spirit speaking? Hey, just because something supernatural is happening doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit. That's right. right. So he says, so, hey, so he says, so pay attention to the message, the content. The content will tell you the source. Mm, word. So, uh, this is how he actually starts this whole teaching. And this may reflect some of the issues they have going on. We don't know. But in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, he says, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. Like you can tell, hey, that content is not coming from the Spirit. And no one can say Jesus is Lord and mean it. I mean, someone can say, oh, Jesus is Lord. But, you know, like they mean it. Like they're, they're prophesying. In other words, you know, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, so this is important that when we're dealing with the supernatural, we're dealing with someone claims to be speaking for God. I've got a word of wisdom. I've got a word of knowledge. I've got a prophetic word. I had a dream. I had to see a picture, whatever, that, that, you, that we always need to evaluate that. And we need to evaluate it by the authority of Scripture. Because the Holy Spirit who inspired scripture is not gonna contradict himself with a prophetic word that violates scripture. Like anything that's from the Lord is always gonna line up with the character of Jesus, the character of God, and the truth of scripture, right? So this is something that God taught his people early on. You know, back in the Old Testament, when Moses was about to die, and he was, he was preparing the people to go in the promised land, he gave his, uh, his last sermon series that we call Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 13, he tells them, hey, after I go, God is going to raise up some prophets to speak for him. He says, but here's the thing. You need to test them to see if they're really speaking for God. He says, here's, how to, here's one of the tests. He says, if a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you with a sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place, like what he predicts happens, he says, and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods you've not known, and let us worship then, you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer 
the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Do you catch what he's saying? He said, hey, after I go, God's gonna raise up prophets. Well, how do you know? He says, well, hey, if someone comes and they say they predict a future or they predict a sign, something miraculous, he says, but then they say, let's follow other gods. He says, you know that they're not from me. Yes, it was supernatural, but that's not from me. And so this is such an important principle that whenever we, we delve into the realm of the supernatural, that we, um, that we are always testing whatever is being claimed by the authority of the word. And this, uh, this gives, uh, leads us back to the story that we started the day with about, you know, as a young pastor, less than 30, and with this buddy of mine who's like 33 or 34 at the time, and it was just the two of us pastors, and so we, were, we, we didn't have any building. Uh, we, we rented another facility, so we had our offices in the strip mall. And this one day, this guy comes in. He's been there a long time, and he shares about his marriage, and it's this long presentation, right? He says, so he gets his glint in his eye. He's so excited that God has shown him what to do to solve the problem. And he said, what, what God has shown him is that God doesn't want him unhappy, he didn't want him to be unhappy. And then he's met this other woman. And then God has given him peace to leave his wife and to pursue this other relationship. And he just wants to share this amazing good news with us. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you catch what's going on here? It's like, he feels like God's telling him, he's got this piece about this. Hey, but that violates everything we're taught about marriage, divorce, and adultery, right? And so, so that's not a word from the Lord, brother, right? right? So that's kind of extreme, but you see what I'm, uh, this is the thing that, hey, when we're dealing with the supernatural, we always have to be, hey, does this align with who God is, with his, with his character, with the character of Jesus? Does it align with his word. Okay. Now, number seven. Number seven is it's vital that we use our gifts. And we're not going to delve into this one a lot today, but we'll be looking at this more next week. Because next week, Paul is going to introduce this powerful analogy. He says, the new community of Jesus, the new people of God, they're like a human body. And he says that just like the human body has all these different organs. You got your eyes, your ears, you got your hands, you got internal organs, your feet. And he says, and every, every part is designed to work together. He says, so is the, the new community of Jesus. We're like the body of Christ. He's like the head, we're his body. And so it's, 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 uh, it's so vital that we don't overestimate our gifts and we don't underestimate our gifts but that we all use our gifts to, this is how the whole community grows and thrives, but more on that next week. But for today, I just, as we kick off this, this uh, section of this letter, I've got two questions for you, right? And so um, there in your note sheet, you have a section called Christ, Culture, and the Cross, two key questions. And so the first question goes like this, how open are you, all right? And what I mean by this, how open are you to the supernatural in your life? How open are you to these gifts of the Spirit, these supernatural gifts of the Spirit, other ways that God wants to work? 
And so here's what I want to do. I, wa- I want to like uh, I want to create a spectrum for you. All right. And so the, we're going to call this the spiritual gift spectrum. And on this side of the spectrum, we're going to have people that uh, are followers of Jesus, love Jesus, but are really not open to the, the gifts of the Spirit today. Um, so, so they would say that these would be Christians that they would say, you know, hey, we believe that in the first century, God was doing supernatural things to establish his church and to confirm the message of the gospel. And so, yes, we believe it all happened in the first century, um, we, they, but we believe that after the first century, after the death of the apostles, these gifts that Paul are describing in here, uh, especially the more supernatural ones, that they, they no longer exist today. So they either stopped then, maybe when, with the, when the apostles died out, or maybe someone would say maybe after the canon of scripture, the New Testament was solidified. And so they, they, they would be on this end of the spectrum, all right? Now, on this end of the spectrum... We have Christians who love Jesus and love his word. They say, the more the merrier, the crazier it gets. Let's get glory clouds going. Let's just get, hey, whatever, any, we're just, we just want more. We want more of God and however he wants to show up, he can do. We're gonna fall down. We're gonna laugh in the spirit. We're gonna do whatever, right? Okay, so you, you, are you with me? We've got this spectrum within the Christian community, all right? So, so this question goes to this end of the spectrum, all right? So the question is, how open are you to the supernatural? And, and what I would suggest is that the thing I love about these believers, what's so beautiful about these believers is that they really love the word. They really love the authority of the word. And they don't want anything to mess with the word of God. They, it's like, hey, the word is spoken. That's all we need and so on. Uh, the problem with that is the word tells us about these gifts, right? That's the problem. And so I think that, the, that when we're in this camp, what it does is it kind of puts a lid on our spiritual experience. It's, it's a little bit like, let's put the Holy Spirit in a box, right over here. We're going to keep him over here where he's, he's safe. And, and so we're really not open. And, and what I found in my life is that this, these, this, these supernatural experience that God want, wants to, to lead us, to guide us, to empower us to do even supernatural things at times to be used, that these just bring such a reality to our spiritual walk, such a, a vibrancy to our spiritual walk, right? And so, so the question is, the sort of thing like, hey, where are you on this spectrum? How open are you to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Right? Um, one of the things that Paul said earlier in this in this, uh, in this letter, one of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 4.20. It's not on your note sheet. Um, so it's uh, like a bonus, bonus scripture, bonus, yeah. Right, it's like you have to come Saturday night to get the bonus, right? We'll see, we'll see whether they get it tomorrow. We'll see whether it happens. You, hey, you got the story about the, my friend in India and the healing tonight? That wasn't in my notes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll just see if that comes in tomorrow or not. But anyway, but you're here tonight. You get it first, right? Right, so... So in 1 Corinthians 4.20, Paul says, hey, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power, yes. right? And, uh, and so there's a beautiful thing that God calls us into the supernatural life. I, like, I love what Paul says there on your note sheet. You do get this verse where Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, and I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, of course, that's the Lord, 
that he will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ. If you're a Christian, you've been called into a supernatural life from beginning to end, right? Start from the beginning, all right? All right, now, the second question is for those of us that tend to be more down on this end, all right? And so the second question is, how discerning are you? And it's interesting because this is where Paul starts his discussion of spiritual gifts. He says, hey, listen, let's get clear on one thing. Hey, if someone says in your service gets up and says, Jesus is cursed, that's not from the Holy Spirit. Let's be really clear. And you know, when someone gets up, Jesus is Lord, that is from the Holy Spirit. Notice, hey, you need to be discerning. You can't assume that just because something is supernatural, it's from the Lord. We got to be discerning. And can I tell you something? All through the New Testament, we are warned to test the spirits. And we are warned that false prophets will arise among you and take many people astray. And when we open ourselves up to the supernatural and we don't hold on to Jesus and his word, we we are in real danger because we can really get off track and we can mess up our lives and mess up other lives. Uh, I remember uh, uh, a few years ago, we were in Israel and we were at Capernaum. Capernaum is uh, where Jesus kind of moved his center of operations. You know, he grew up in Nazareth, but when he started his ministry, he went to Capernaum. It's on the, it's on the, uh, it's on the Sea of Galilee. We'll be there again in just a couple weeks. And... Um, and so there, there was, there's these students from, a, it's kind of a well-known school. I won't mention the name, but it's a well-known school of the miraculous, you know, like kind of where you, you go to learn how to do miracles and stuff like this, right? Um, that the, the students that go there call it Hogwarts for Christians. But anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, um, that as I, we're walking in towards the, you know, to the site, um, there are these three students, you know, in their young 20s come, come up, and they're just like giddy. I'm sure they were giddy in the spirit. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. They're just like giddy, you know? And, and they're coming up, and, and um, I'm walking with one other person and then a wo- one woman in our, in our group that's got in a wheelchair. She didn't start the trip on a wheelchair, but that's where she was. You know, I call it Adventure Israel. Go at your own risk. <laughs> No, no, just kidding. That's kidding. She has a knee, I can't remember, knee problems. Something was flaring up, right? And uh, so she was here. And so these, these three young students who are learning how to do miracles, right? They, they come running up to me and they said, we've got a word of prophecy for you. And I'm like, oh, this should be good, right? <laughs> and I'm really, I'm honestly like open because it's like, who knows? You know, God could speak through an ass. I mean, you know, what? Uh, a donkey, no, you know, Balaam's ass. It's King James. It's King James language. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. Tomorrow that'll become his donkey. All right, okay. All right. I mean, the Lord can speak through a donkey, right? It's like, you know, I'm open, right? And so this kid comes up and he gives me this word of prophecy. We got a word of prophecy. I mean, this should be good. He gives me this word of prophecy. And then like, they're saying to the woman in the wheelchair, be healed, be healed in Jesus' name, you know? And of course she's not healed and the word of pro- prophecy for completely bogus, right? And so what happens in movements like this? 
what happens is that I think God's really doing some supernatural stuff. But people fall in love with the supernatural. We fall in love with the gifts instead of the giver. And pretty soon we're not paying attention to the word anymore. Pretty soon we don't want just solid teaching. We, we got miracles. We got miracles all the time. We got miracles all the time. And pretty soon you just start leaving the, you start leaving the path. And you start getting off in some really dangerous territory. You end up really hurting lots of people, including the people that are proclaiming it. And so, so as followers of Jesus, we're, we're called to walk, I think, in this balance of being open to the supernatural, but discerning. And you know what? The apostle Paul just nails this in a passage in, in 1 Thessalonians 5. It's there in your note sheet. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says this. He says to us as a church, he says, hey, do not quench the spirit. So he's using a metaphor, Right? Like uh, he's, he's, he's comparing the spirit to a fire. And he says, you know, it's possible to take your buckets of skepticism and throw it on the Holy Spirit until there's no, like you put out the spirit's fire. You can do that in a church. You can do that in your own life, right? He says, so don't quench the spirit. And he says, here's how you do it. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. And when someone says they feel like the Lord is speaking, don't treat that with contempt. Like, be open, right? He says, but, catch us, test them all. And he says, here's what you need to do. You need to hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. Isn't that beautiful? He's just like right down the middle, right down the middle. Like, like we're not gonna go over here. We're not gonna pour, we're gonna quench the spirit, but we're not gonna go over here. And just like, hey, the more the supernatural, the better, the weirder, the better, you know. We're gonna try to say, okay, no, we wanna say open, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, use us. Holy Spirit, do whatever you wanna do. We, we belong to you and we wanna be the hands and feet of Jesus. And, and we wanna love each other well. Whatever gifts you wanna give us to help us love each other better, that's a beautiful thing. And we just, we wanna be open to that. But we want to make sure they're from you. We want to make sure they're for the right way, the right reasons, used in the right way. And so the question I have is, it's like, kind of, where are you? You know, it's like, how open are you? Um, but how discerning are you? And uh, which, which do we need more of? Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So, Father, we just thank you for this time to be able to kick off this, uh, kind of re- rejoin this series. On, this is such a powerful letter. And thank you for this beautiful intro passage where the, the apostle just lays out some beautiful principles about how you want to work supernaturally in our life and what it looks like to pursue you in the realm of the supernatural. And we pray, Lord, that as we enter into this part of the series, Lord, we pray for a fresh wind. It's been our theme all year. We, we just pray for your fresh wind to continue to blow through this place, Lord. I thank you for just leaving the worship this evening, just the spirit of worship, that we're just growing in. We just sense it building. It's like, it's like the fresh wind is blowing through our church. And so, Lord, we want more. We want more of that. But we want it for your name. We want it in the right way. And we, we just pray that you would lead us every step of the way. We pray in your name. Amen.